Nut Yet Podcast. I'm your host, John Mason Brink. I'm here with Tim Ward. Tim, how you doing? JP, what's going on? Happy Friday. Yep. Happy Friday to you. Thank you for allowing my fantasy football team a win last week. Yeah, no problem. I'm 0-3, so... So when this goes live on Wednesday, uh, we will be a couple days prior to us getting together for the Illinois-Wisconsin Badgers football game here in Champaign. I'm kind of looking forward to it, having you and Monica down to do some tailgating with us. Are you guys getting excited for seeing Bucky Badger down down here in Champaign? Yeah, for sure. It'll uh, It'll be fun. It'll be fun. A good atmosphere, so... Yeah. Especially the Illinois coach was the former Badger coach, Tim. Brett Bielema. Yeah. He actually was a coach at Kansas State for a couple of years as well back in the day. So really? I did not know yeah. that. He was. A he head was coach a, or just a... No, no, no. He was offensive okay. line coach, I believe. Something like that. This was probably 10, 15 years ago before he became the Badgers coach. Today, we might get into some football talk with our next guest, but he's got a career in the trades and some great stuff he's doing. We'll bring him in right now. Bob Carpenter. uh, He is the codes and standards manager at Vega. So Bob, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We're doing great. We're doing great. How are things in the big state of GA, Georgia? Well, we thought we were hitting fall for a little bit. We had a a cool snap for a couple of days where we got down in the fifties, but now we're back in the eighties. So that's well, weather that's in Georgia. That's hell. It's weather here in central Illinois too. We're, we've been in the mid eighties to higher eighties all week. Well, luckily this weekend, I think it's going to start feeling like fall and quite honestly, I'm ready for it. So Bob, thanks for jumping on. Um, you know, there's a lot of things we can talk about and, you know, you've been in the industry for a long time. You've got a decorated career in the industry and um, you also do some, some charity work, which we think is great. I've always said you have a heart of gold when it comes to the, the stuff you're doing with the shoe drive, but we'll get into all those details uh, soon enough. But uh, why don't you take us through like how you got into the industry and the trades and early in the career? I, I got in the industry basically by accident. Uh, it wasn't like I grew up wanting to be a plumber. Okay. Uh, I um, got out of college, uh, graduated um, Georgia in 1982, and was a stock and bond broker for three years and absolutely hated it. I uh, was in a little cubicle making phone calls all day, uh, making good money, but didn't care for it. So one day I just walked in left the job, couldn't, couldn't handle the cold calls all the time, pretty much like the mm. spammers are doing these days. And went over to a buddy of mine's house, and I was in my early, or I guess mid-20s at the time, and he was in his 50s. And he was a plumber with Local 72. And I told him, I says, man, I feel good. I walked off that job. I've got some money in the bank, so I don't need to do anything right away. But I got to find something to do. And he says, uh, why don't you come to work with me? It's like plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know anything about plumbing. He goes, mm-hmm. I oh, will teach you everything you know to need to know in two weeks. And, uh, I tell people it's been about 35 years now and I'm still learning. He got me into the UA apprenticeship school. I went through that and, um, spent a lot of time, uh, with local 72 doing a lot of projects around the Atlanta area learning every job I went to. That's 
pretty much how that started. That's pretty cool, though. That, that's cool. a pretty cool story, going from stocks and bonds to plumbing. Were you able to take any of that early lessons from setting behind that trader desk to what you do in your eventual career as a plumber? Maybe not so much as my career, but I do manage my own IRA and my own 401, so that <laughs> it helps in that department. It, it maybe did give me... Um, develop my people skills a little bit and helping me deal with different personalities because you certainly came across different personalities making three to 400 phone calls a day. Uh, and then when you're on the job, you run across different personalities for every man that's on a job. There's a different personality, different set of circumstances. And I served as job steward for quite a few of those years. So the, the steward is responsible for basically solving all the the people problems on the job. So it did mm-hmm. give me a lot of insight and experience for that. And it's a valuable skill to have there. That's for sure. Currently you're the codes and standards uh, manager for Vega. I know this is a relatively new position. Is that right for you? It is. It is. I started August the 30th. So about a month in. So you've been pretty busy. Uh, what exactly do you do there? I mean, codes and standards, obviously, but uh, you do a lot of traveling and meetings and things like that. Traveling has opened up for some. I was at the ICC conference with a couple of my coworkers uh, up in Pittsburgh a week or so ago and heading out tomorrow to a a conference uh, down in Florida. But then one of our conferences has been canceled. It went to um, virtual we had the IATMO conference this last week was virtual. Um, another conference in Dallas, PPI, this last week was virtual. One of the cool things that, uh, you know, I've talked to you in the past about this and your experience with the charity work you do and how it came about that, you know, you're the, the, the CEO of the United Craftsmen Children's Shoe Drive. And I, I love the story and it's it's a great story of how, it all came about. Why don't, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with this? I was working um, out of Local 72. I worked for Art Plumbing. I had an apprentice, Tracy Newsom, and he was the one that actually started it. Tracy's name was Tracy Allen Newsom. He called it the Tan Shoe Drive. He actually was in and out of children's homes when he was growing up. Well, we had started working together in about 2005 or 2006. And through his apprenticeship, we worked on several jobs together. And every year around Thanksgiving or so, mid-November, he would start going out to the food truck. Well, back then it was called the Roach Coach. Today, it's politically correct to be the food truck. Um, Wait, they, they don't and, call it Roach Coach anymore? Come on. Yeah, they, we still call it the Roach Coach occasionally. <laughs> oh, I guess it depends on uh, how good the food is. So, he would go out there at break time and at lunchtime. And if back then, say, if people's bill was, you know, five or six bucks and some change, then, then he would try to get the change from the guys. He would try to get that, you know, as a donation. And it might be 35 cents. It might be 75 cents. Some guys might give them a dollar or so. And then at Christmas, he would take the kids, usually about a half a dozen of them, he would take those at the children's home where he spent most of his time growing up, take them out to the shoe carnival and let them pick out a single pair of shoes um, as long as it was under $40. 
and let them have that for Christmas. So that that's what he would do. And he, he always told me about it. I, I was I never went with him. It, he never actually invited me to go with him. It was just kind of a thing that he did on his own. And then uh, we were working together on the, the new international terminal at Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson Airport in September of 09. And when we left work, it was a very, very bad thunderstorm. And I got a call early, early the next morning that uh, Tracy had been killed in a car wreck on his way home from work. He was headed down the road and a, and a guy turned left in front of him. Tracy was in a little Honda, um, went airborne and was ejected. And the vehicle landed on top of him and was killed instantly. And so we were on a obviously a rather large job at the Atlanta airport. As a steward, I was able to get up and speak to the entire workforce. And we took up a collection of a little over $3,000. I took it to Tracy's widow at the service. And at the service, she asked me, she said, would you help with the shoe drive this year? I think it's something Tracy would appreciate. I had never thought about it. I said, yeah, of course I would. And uh, during the service, Tracy's birth mother said something that uh, kind of struck me as very odd. She got up to speak and she said, I just have one thing to say. And that was that Tracy was a pain in the ass on the day he was born. And he's a pain in the ass today. So I guess maybe she had to take off work to go. I don't know. But it just that just really hurt my heart that I was like, you just lost your son. I couldn't imagine losing one of my sons, even being able to speak anything, much less something negative. So that kind of inspired me to to do something strong in Tracy's memory. Um, So that's that was my first experience was the Christmas of, of 2009. In the intro, I said you have a heart of gold, and I remember talking to you about uh, when you first experienced one of the kids coming up to you, your, basically your heart melted right there. Like The heart of gold melted because of what these kids, the reaction you saw from them. Can you describe that? Yeah, these are, these are kids that you would think you would see them in one of the famous commercials on TV where they show all these poor kids in foreign countries, but these kids are right here in our own backyard, uh, a stone's throw from where many of us live. And the one that really, really got me was that first year. It was a, a little guy, uh, came in, red hair, buzz cut, freckles, a little overweight. Um, I'm going to say he was a little over waist high to me. Figured he was picked on at school just because traditionally, even going back to when I was in school, Usually the, the, the kids that appeared that way were picked on. And so I walked over to him and I said, hey, bud, can I help you find a pair, <clears throat> a pair of shoes? And he didn't say a word. He just turned and walked away. And so one of the electricians that was there walked over to him, asked him the same question, same response. He turns and walks away. And then one of the ladies that was there went over to him and one of the other plumbers that I worked with went over to him. And they were able to to get him to open up and to get a pair of tennis shoes. I mean, these were not the, you know, $100, $200 tennis shoes. These were under $40 tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. But they were something he had never had before. I was standing in the front. We didn't even have a bank account. I just had a, a Ziploc bag 
with cash in it. Thank God I didn't get stopped by the cops. <laughs> they thought yeah. I was a drug dealer. But yeah. um, the kid just grabs me. Now, this is a kid that wouldn't even speak. He grabs me around the waist and just squeezes me as tight as he could. And he looks up at me and he says, I'm glad somebody out there cares about me. That did it for me. He walked mm-hmm. off and I had to turn around and walk over to the corner. My allergy started acting up. Um, yeah, exactly. It, just, it, it really got to me. And, you know, I, I came home and I, I told my wife, I said, this is something we got to do. There's kids out there with nothing. This kid was that thrilled over a pair of shoes. And there's more of them out there. That first year we had 27 kids. And you go into local children's homes. Is that it to, you know, find these kids? Some of them are um, children's homes. Some of them we turn to churches that have um, ministries in impoverished areas. So some of these kids may be living with a family member or a, a distant relative, but that family member is doing what they can, but, you know, they don't have it. They're just, they're doing what they can to keep the, the kid out of the, the foster care system. I'm sorry, Bob. I was going to say the charity outreach has grown from 27 in your first year. What what are you at in 2021? How many kids are uh, being supplied with shoes uh, in 2021? In, in 2019, we were a little over 600. 2020, wow. of course, with COVID, we were not allowed to host any. Um, yeah. and, and in 2021, we'll see what the numbers are going to be. It's, it's all dependent on which homes we're able to get to come out. We've had a couple of homes that we've talked to that have had COVID issues. So obviously, you know, if they can get that resolved by December, we'll be good to go there. It's just, it's, that's going to be dependent this year, but we're still hoping for, you know, upwards of 500. Well, and you've grown this from an Atlanta-based charity to, if I recall, four different states. Am I correct? That is correct. Um, We actually hold events in four different states. However, we are registered and in compliance with charitable registrations in in all 50 states plus the District of Columbia. And so some of these events, these charity events, I know you had something last week because I saw the videos of uh, a fishing tournament. And that's one of the big... You probably wanted to be there, didn't you, John? Yeah, I I did. I I saw you guys calling off the boats and they're all getting ready to scoot out to their spots to go fish. And so tell me about that. You know, a a fishing tournament, that's a cool idea. That was not my idea. Um, That actually came out of Local 91, uh, Plumbers and Steamfitters in Birmingham, Alabama. I received a phone call back uh, right at Labor Day in in 2014 from uh, uh, brother Wayne Brown. And I had never met Wayne before, but I had been to local 91 uh, at that time. I had spoken just briefly about the shoe drive and what we do. It struck a chord with four of the guys that were there. And so they put Wayne up as a spokesman. He called me and said, um, you know, we'd like to do a fishing tournament uh, to benefit the shoe drive. And I said, well, I love to fish, but I've never done a tournament. Um, I don't know how to go about organizing one or anything. And he said, well, we've done them before. It's really, it's no big deal. We'll probably get about a half a dozen boats, just mainly out of members of the local. And we might raise a couple hundred dollars for the shoe drive. 
And I said, okay. And we happened to meet up that weekend. They had um, a Labor Day event over in Birmingham. And um, I went, I met him in person, said, well, when do you want to do this event? He said, well, how about the 21st? And my first response was 21st of, and I'm thinking the next April or May. He says, 21st of September. (laughs) I'm like, man, that gives us like two and a half weeks and I've never done this before. (laughs) You know, I I don't even know how to go about setting this up. And he was like, it'll be all right. You know, we'll, we'll just make it, it'll be small. Well, sure enough, he was right. Three days before the tournament, uh, we were at six boats registered. And they were all out of his local. I think maybe one may have been outside an outside registration. Then we had an anonymous mm-hmm. contractor who still donates today, but doesn't want to be, doesn't want his name out there. He said, I'm not doing it to get any recognition. I'm doing this for the kids. And he said, I'm going to donate $1,000, not to the shoe drive. I'm donating wow. it for prize money. He said, and it's, and you'll see, he's put it on Facebook that you're offering a thousand dollars for prize money and see what happens to your numbers. We did it. And the morning of registration, we ended up with 27 boats. So it jumped Holy from six, cow. it jumped up 21 boats uh, in the last three days. This last weekend was not a great weekend with the weather. The It was warm and all, but the fog early morning kind of put a damper on, on our um, attendance, but Last year we were up to seventy-two boats, so yeah. it, it has grown quite a bit. And we have a, wow. a spring tournament and a fall tournament. Uh, Wayne Brown has served as our uh, tournament director from the beginning. He puts on a great tournament. We've gone from uh, just you know people from the local area. We've had people as far away as Florida, some from even from Indiana, Ohio that have come down to fish it. We get a lot of sponsors. We send out a lot of letters requesting sponsorship. Um, and that's, we, we give away prize money and we get, uh, companies to donate physical prizes as well. We do raffle drawings for those. So it's, it's become a big fundraiser for us. So is it strictly, uh, bass fishing, large mouth, small mouth, or both? It's, it's bass fishing. Uh, we don't get, yeah. uh, mainly here. It's going to be large mouth. So are there other programs besides the fishing tournament that you do to raise funds for the organization, or is it mainly through online donations or locals working with you to provide support? I have an online, I call it the the everyday giving page. It's where people sign up to become monthly donors. Um, And there's people that are, you know, give $10 a month. There's people that give a hundred dollars a month. And these are just, everyday hardworking people from around the country and a couple from Canada that uh, donate on a monthly basis. And then we've, we've attempted a couple of golf tournaments. We're looking at organizing a fishing tournament here in Georgia. We're looking at um, doing a poker run on Logan Martin, which is in Alabama, the same lake we do the fishing tournament on. It'll be a um, poker run in the morning, followed by a cornhole tournament that afternoon. And uh, then a band with some live music and entertainment that evening with some um, auction and r- raffle items. And for that cornhole tournament, we've met up with a couple of guys that are former Alabama players. And I'm getting in contact with some of my buddies, former um, UGA players. We're going to try to have a little contest there to see if it'll uh, spur some more interest, get some more people coming out. 
And we also have, let's see, October 23rd, there will be uh, Ryan Matthews from My Guy Plumbing has organized a cornhole tournament in Tom's River, New Jersey on Saturday, the 23rd of October. And so I'll be going up for that. That'll be our first one of those that we had. So how do, uh, uh, you know, people listening to this podcast, if they're interested in donating, how do they get involved with, with your organization? Um, they can go to our website, just uh, the United Craftsman Children's Shoe Drive, and it's got a donate button on there. Um, they can sign up as a one-time gift. They can do a, a monthly. They can do quarterly. I think there's even an annual if they just want to do it, you know, right before their taxes are due so they can get the benefit of the, the write-off. That's probably the, the easiest and fastest way. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll include the link in our description for the podcast. One thing, another way we raise money is Milwaukee has been very, very supportive. Milwaukee Tool. Um, and yeah. so has Rigid. They have mm-hmm. um, donated either combo kits or this last year, Rigid gave a, a really nice uh, sewer machine. They donated that and, and we raised um, a lot of money raffling that machine off. So, I, you know, like I said, that's, it's that's a, I may great. get the, the title of CEO, but without just the regular everyday people and good companies like Milwaukee and Rigid, it wouldn't be possible. That's great to hear. Yeah, as I was saying, we'll post it on our websites and our social media channels. But for those of you listening, it's United Craftsman Children Shoe Drive Inc. dot org. United Craftsman Children Shoe Drive Inc. dot org to go and um, provide some you know support to the kids who are needy of some shoes and to help Bob and the organization get some more financial support. I would like to add that that we are a a volunteer organization. Uh, Unlike Mm -hmm. a lot of charities where people that run it get paid lots of money, uh, we do not. Everything that we have uh, that we raise is turned right back into the organization to benefit the kids. However, we do have to pay um, fees to government, uh, state governments every year, which comes to about 10 grand. Just to be able to, if you're on Facebook, you're considered that you're soliciting in that state. So if someone from Montana or South Dakota or California sees us on Facebook, the government views that as we solicited them for a donation. So we have to fill out usually 12 to 15 pages of paperwork for each one of those states. And of course, the all important thing, send them in uh, the payment to be able to be registered with either their secretary of state or their attorney general every, yeah. every single year. When I first started, I had no idea about that. I thought, well, you know, we're just helping some kids, but yeah. the government has their hand out as always. So uh, real quick, uh, before we let you go, and thanks for joining us, uh, got to get to some tough questions. University of Georgia Bulldogs, who, who are they playing this week? Arkansas? The Razorbacks. Uh-oh. Yeah, what do, what do yeah we've got, we got Arkansas on the schedule, and unfortunately, I'm going to miss that one. Um, I've had season tickets for about 40 years, and um, I'm going to have to miss that one because work calls, and I'll be headed to a conference. Well, Bob, as I as I mentioned before we jumped on the podcast, I my father grew up in Arkansas. I have a lot of family in Arkansas. I grew up going vacations in Arkansas, so I grew up an Arkansas Razorback fan as a, as a young kid, and I still – Wear my hog hat proud occasionally, my big plastic hog hat occasionally. 
uh, and suey pigs. Um, but I do expect your dogs to put a whooping on the hogs this weekend. Uh, I hope it's a good game. Well, well I hope the your prediction comes real, out. <laughs> well, your dogs look really strong. I certainly hope that's the case. I'll be listening to it on the radio. Hopefully I'll be able to find stations. I hate that I'm going to miss miss seeing it, but, uh, you know, we are off to a, a good start, but so is Arkansas. You can't ever look past anybody. I can yeah, I can remember when that state has upset people. I can remember Vanderbilt upsetting us a few years ago. So every, well, every and- game is big. Every week, every week, that's why I love this time of year. I mean, I, that's about the only sport that I get involved in is college football. Uh, I don't really watch any of the professional sports. I may watch a little NASCAR, may watch a little golf, but other than that, I'm too busy to to look at anything. Cheer that, John, NASCAR. They just yeah. had Las Vegas last weekend. Yeah. That's, John that's... and I were at the NASCAR race in Vegas a couple of years, well, a year and a half ago. We've actually that was one of our fundraisers one year. We we bought some tickets to the Talladega race and raffled those off. Ooh, that would nope. be. You ever been to that one, Tim? I have. I was actually at the very last race that Dale Earnhardt won uh, the year oh. before he, uh, November or October oh, awesome. 2020. 20, yeah, October of 2000. Uh, he won in Talladega, and I was there. Wow. And then the next February, he got killed in Daytona. It's like, yeah, no, I. John and I are big NASCAR fans, so we can talk NASCAR a lot. Well, Bob, thanks for jumping on. Um, we we love the story. We love the uh, you know the the passion you have to help the children, and and that's a great cause. Thanks again. We really appreciate it. That's um you know that's that's how the, the word gets spread is people sharing posts on Facebook or guys like you help helping out by putting this out there so that more people can see it and can't do it without the support of you know everybody plus guys like you helping to spread the word the not dead yet podcast is powered by mechanical up media and produced by john masonbrink and tim ward it is edited by john masonbrink music presented by jason drum and graphics furnished by Wayne Rowe. Thanks for listening, and until next week.